Well, good morning. Today we conclude our series on prayer by looking at one of the most overlooked aspects of how Christians address God, which is found at the closing of most prayers by the phrase, in Jesus' name. We will see that praying in Jesus' name is much more than an ending to our prayers. In fact, it is a filter through which our very perspective on prayer hinges. Thanks for listening. I was snooping on my wife's uh, Facebook page uh, the other day and uh, came across a really cool uh, uh, page from someone's prayer journal that they posted on their page. Uh, it, it listed all of the things that uh, they really struggled with. They, they, on one column, they just wrote everything that was going to be a trial for them that day that they would face. We have uh, early wake-ups. Yeah, no sleeping in, right? Got a house to clean, laundry to do, dishes to wash, crumbs under the table. Um, and as this individual, um, I'm guessing it's a mom, guessing this is a mom, but um, as this individual is writing down all of these uh, things that uh, they were going to face, uh, she wrote on the other side uh, a change in perspective, l- looking at it a little different way. She's, she wrote, early wake-ups mean what? It means children to love. House to clean, you know what that means? It means a safe place to live. Laundry, you know what that means? It means clothes to wear. Dishes to wash means there's food to eat. Crumbs under the table means that there are family meals. Grocery shopping means that there's money to provide for the family. Toilets to clean, here's worth an amen. It means there's indoor plumbing. That's worth an amen right there. Uh, lots of noise, right? Sometimes we just got to get away. Any amens there? It's got to get away. I'm going to go nuts. Uh, but it means that there's people in our lives and, and, and life and friends and happiness. Endless questions about homework. <laughs> that means the kids' brains are growing and sore and tired in bed. That's the last one there. You know what? It means I'm still alive, right? It means I'm still alive. I like that because it really looks through a lot of the challenges that I, I think this mom faces through the day. And each of us here could probably make a list, right? You, you could write down the things that are challenging in your life. And it's easy, folks. It's easy to get stuck on that side of the list. Where all, you, all we do is focus on the poor me and woe is me and boy do I have it hard. And if you only knew what I had to do today, right? I mean, we would get lost. Feeling overwhelmed with what we face. And you know what it takes just to shift that whole thing? Is a simple change in perspective. It's just looking at it differently. Can make all the difference in the world. It's not part of my sermon or application, but I might even challenge you. uh, Make a list sometime this week. All those things that are challenging. And ask God to change your perspective. Well, I find that we also need this uh, discipline in our prayers. Many times we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. And the answer to that is that we might have a change in our perspective. That there is a right perspective that we need to have in prayer. I've labeled this sermon this morning, the perspective of prayer. And as we have traveled for these six weeks on this study of prayer, we have gone through uh, the motivation for prayer. Why we pray, where we find power in prayer. Uh, We've seen that there is a purpose behind our prayers. That we need to persevere in our prayers. That there are times when we feel like giving up, but we don't. We shouldn't. 
Uh, we looked at two different models of prayer. One where we see categorically you can come to God with adoration and confession, thanksgiving before you get to your requests. And last week, how we unpacked the Lord's Prayer and seeing it as the disciples' prayer. Well, today we're, we're going to kind of put, in, put an end to it, even though you could study this subject for months and months. Uh, the main question that I wanted to try to answer today has to do with something that you hear almost every time you pray. How do you hang up the phone when you pray? Does anyone know? Yeah, so the amen is usually the click, right? But comes usually before that is in Jesus' name, amen. And I grew up uh, praying this uh, as a child and hearing it, prayer, it prayed in church, not really kind of knowing what does that mean? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? This is the question that I want us to try to answer because when we find an answer to this question, to properly know what it means to pray in Jesus' name. I mean, I've just asked for a whole list of things, right? I've just, I've just come to God in prayer and I've ended it with in Jesus' name. What does that mean? What does it mean to say in Jesus' name? The answer to this question will provide for us the proper perspective that we need to carry with us when we pray. Uh, something that I want to encourage us towards uh, is making sure that when we pray, we're doing it the way we should. Uh, there, there are wrong ways to pray, as we saw all the way back, I think, in our first study of this. You, you remember the guy in the corner stands up and he, he prays, right? But how does he pray? It's, it's from an external, outward, me-focused, look at what I've done sort of prayer. That's a wrong way to pray. There is a, a right way and there is a wrong way. Uh, for many of us, it's a change of perspective. We need to see our request through the eyes of Jesus, how he would pray is how we need to pray. As I was studying this, I asked uh, my wife to come into my office and I said, um, uh, because this is pretty intense. I mean, I'm not going to get through it all uh, today for what we need to cover. Uh, but I said, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? And she says, well, it's to pray after God's will. And I said, well, why don't you preach the sermon? I mean, she nailed it. She hit it right there. So the short answer to this, I mean, if I'm going to give you the end of the story is it means to pray after God's will. Jesus' will. That's what it means. But I want us to see where we get that from the Word of God. John chapter 14, if you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. John chapter 14. We're going to be looking through a lot of verses this morning. Um, I'm going to have them up here on the screen. Uh, but I, I'd invite you, especially if you have your own uh, personal Bible that you brought today and you're in the habit of making notes, uh, work towards underlining and marking up some of these uh, verses such that you'll be able to recognize it again in the future as you study it. But if not, just follow along as we look at many of these verses. The place I wanted to begin with as we look to what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name is that there are a couple of different options. There's really three uh, major options for what this means, praying in Jesus' name. The first is this idea of power. Uh, this actually happens to be the most common way of uh, interpreting what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Most people think that it means, well, there is power in Jesus' name. Question, is that true, church? Is there power in Jesus' name? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of understanding to really uh, make sure we know what that means, what that power looks like, uh, where it's focused upon the uh, darkened, sinful heart of the person who needs Jesus Christ. Guess what? There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, a good verse to defend this uh, comes from uh, Philippians 2. You could turn there with me. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. I'll have the verse up here on the screen as well. 
Philippians 2, uh, 9 through 11 say this, uh, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, what's it say? Every knee will bow. Right? That's at the name of Jesus, every knee will, knee will bow. And in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. So does that cover everybody? Heaven, earth, and? Yeah, folks, guess what? That's everybody. It's at the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. In, in Acts chapter 16, we see uh, the apostles encountering uh, this girl that has a demon. And, and you know what they do to cast out the, the demon? They say, in Jesus' name. Right? Because there is power in Jesus' name. As true as this is, I don't believe this is correct. For when we pray to God, and we're ready to hang up the phone, and we say, we, we ask this, or we pray this in Jesus' name, we're not meaning His power. We're not clamoring for the power that is in His name. Even though it's true that there is power, that's not what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It is an option, and it's one that I'd like to correct in a lot of people's minds. Uh, don't, don't mishear me that I'm saying there isn't power in His name. There is power in His name. But when we pray in His name, we're not praying according to His power. We mean something else. So a uh, second option is uh, position. This tends to be one that a lot of uh, people who have written on prayer, you, f- you find that in, in their, uh, their commentaries, in their books, in their writings. It's a little less popular, but it's really safe. Uh, Because what they will say is that really we only have access to the Father to pray through who? Through Jesus. So our position before God to be declared righteous. Can can you come before God as as being unrighteous or or, or a sinner? You can't. Sin is not allowed in the presence of God. So how is it that we can possibly come to God? Um, There's a good verse to help with this. Ephesians 3.12 Um, As Paul's writing to the church, he says, And in him and through faith in him, we may what? We may approach God. With freedom and confidence. Now that's beautiful. And it's absolutely true. That you and I have no right to come before God. Apart from the completed work of Jesus Christ. We are positionally able to pray to God in his Name, But again, I want to submit to you that when we do say those words in Jesus' name, this is not what we mean. When we're praying and when we're asking God in, and we, we end our prayer with in Jesus' name, we're not talking about position. We're not talking about power, even though both of these are true. Instead, I believe there's a third option. And uh, it's, it's my goal to, to show you from his word today why this is true, that it's perspective. Perspective is the way in which we pray in His name. We pray as Jesus prays after His purpose and will. When it comes time to uh, bow your head and close your eyes, when it comes time to ask God to meet your needs, when it comes time to cry out to Him, There is a right and a wrong way to do it. And the right way to do it, if you're going to say at the end of your prayer, I pray this in Jesus' name, what you mean is, I'm praying as your son would pray. After his purpose. After his will. This is what we mean when we say to 
pray in Jesus' name. Uh, John, First uh, John five is a great verse that shows us this. First um, John chapter five, fourteen and fifteen. John writes this: This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, just evaluate that for a moment. If we ask anything, now you can't stop there, right? I'm asking God for a new F-150, right? I'm asking God to just teach that person a lesson. Boy, they have it coming. It's, the Bible says ask anything, ask the pastor, right? Does it say anything, church? But then it's qualified after that, right? It's not anything as in anything, that you can go before God and ask Him for the things that are only materialistic, or only things that gratify the flesh, even though the Word of God said, ask Him for anything, it qualifies anything. Anything what? According to His will, and He will hear us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. Here's an illustration of how I want to describe this idea of perspective. Uh, when I was uh, dating uh, my wife, Emily, um, this was honestly our first date ever. Uh, I took her out for cheeseburgers because I'm super romantic like that. So um, I, we went out and I, I was even going a step for, uh, beyond that. I ordered her cheeseburger for her, right? I mean, what a guy. And uh, little did I know that she and I have two different versions of cheeseburgers that we like. So so you have a cheeseburger A up here, right, that has what on it? Nothing, right? But cheese and burger. That's it. I don't know who would ever want that. And then you got option B. I mean, check out that baby, right? Just dripping with goodness. You got your lettuce. You got your tomatoes. You got your onions. I mean, if they could fit the kitchen sink on a burger, I'll eat it, right? Well, guess which of these two kinds Emily likes? Yeah, not B. And I ordered two B, so that just meant I got two cheeseburgers is all that meant because she wasn't going to eat hers. Uh, Just a little straw poll. I probably shouldn't do this, but how many people by show of hands like A? Anybody for A? How many people like B? That's right. Let's hear it for the B. That's right. Proper burgers here. So now imagine that I were to go out uh, at lunchtime and we were to drive to the burger shop now and having known what Emily's desires are, what she wants, um, I were to go and order in her name, right? Because I'm going to order for myself and then I'm going to order for her. Which one of these am I going to choose? It'd be the fool that would choose the one that's not after her desire. It would be the fool that would order in her name something that she does not want. This is what it means to have the proper perspective in prayer. That when we pray in Jesus' name, we are genuinely praying for the things that Jesus wants. Not the things that we want. Our whims and our desires, I mean, they're they're fine, but you know what? Many times they need to be transformed by the grace of God even. The things that I love today are not the things that I used to love when I was 16. I thought, anybody else with me there? That, That your desires have changed by coming to know Jesus Christ? And that the things that I used to really pray about, there's a Garth Brooks song, uh, thank, I thank God for unanswered prayer. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do a really good impression. But you know the song, right? Uh, I think the story goes, he's out with his, 
his wife at a football game or something. He sees his old high school flame and, and just realizes that he thanks God for unanswered prayers. Because guess what? The things that you once desired may not be the things that God desires. We got to watch this church. We got to be careful so that when we pray and we want to just hang up the phone and, and say in Jesus' name, amen, you understand what you're praying. It's not just the way in which we tag the end of our prayers. It means something. It means that the things that I'm coming before God to ask Him for have been changed according to match His purpose and His will. We pray as Jesus prays after His purpose and after His will. If you find that in a single verse, 1 John chapter 5, I invite you to turn there and just hold on to that verse. But Really, uh, it's John's understanding as he sees Jesus leaving through chapter 14. And that's where I want us to go back to now to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to look at three different uh, kind of colors here of the text. Three different perspectives um, that we can, we can find in this section where Jesus speaks to his disciples that will defend and will show us how this is true. That, that the perspective, according to... The context of God's word here, the perspective of Jesus is what we need to carry in prayer when we say in Jesus' name. Number one, uh, in John chapter 14, it's actually John 14, 15, and 16, and I did consider reading three chapters. That's more like a Bible study task, and some of you are thinking, oh, thank goodness, he's not going to read three chapters <laughs> of the Bible. But what I, what I am going to do is I'm just going to highlight some of the verses and want to encourage you to study this on your own. Um, it's, there is so much else here that I can't even touch this morning. It is definitely worth a, a Bible study night on it. Uh, but the first thing I want you to see is that contextually, uh, Jesus is leaving. In John chapter 14, Jesus is leaving his disciples. He's leaving. I remember as I was kind of coming on to the scene a year ago now. Here we're in February. My, my first sermons, I think, to fill in for Pastor Dave were in February a year ago. But you remember hearing that Pastor Dave was leaving? What, what was your first thought with that? I mean, it's, it's sadness and it's despair and it's sorrow and it's, well, shucks, what are we going to do? Imagine now that you are a follower of Jesus Christ himself on earth and he tells you, uh, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. John chapter 14. Are you there with me? Uh, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Because that's how they were feeling. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I am going there. See, he's leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also will be where I am. And you know the way to the place that I'm going. Uh, it, the text will continue on from here. I want to just show you briefly, if we were to look through chapter 14, you'll find a lot of different passages that talk about his leaving. And it's not only chapter 14. You find it in 15. You find it in 16. Here are a few of the highlights. John 14, 3. We read it already, right? If I go and prepare a place for you. John 14, 12. He says, because I am going Where? I'm going to the Father. He's leaving. Uh, verses 16 through 18. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Who is this? Who is the other advocate that he's sending? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus has to leave. 
He tells his disciples, it's even better that I go because I will send you another advocate. The Greek word there for another is another of the same kind. It's not another of a different kind. This is how we are rightly sing the glory of Patri, right? Glory be to the Father and the Son and to the Holy Spirit because he's God. He's the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God. Come to live and indwell, both to teach the disciple, the Christ follower, and to seal us forever. So he says the, uh, the world cannot accept the spirit of truth, right? Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. I will not leave you as, does your Bible say orphans? I won't leave you as orphans? That's the concern. Jesus is trying to get him to see, I'm leaving. Remember, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's going to be okay. I'm going to send another. Uh, verse 28, you've heard me say that I am what? I'm going away. And I'm going to come back to you. Uh, you can look through uh, chapter 15 and find the same message there. Uh, you can find the same message also in chapter 16. Uh, six, chapter 16, verse 17, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more? Then he says that you will see me, uh, you will perceive me here is the Greek word, the idea that the Holy Spirit is going to be a picture of Jesus as well. But it, what I got to tell you folks is that this starts out, if we're going to defend the perspective argument, right, that when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying according to his will, the way I want you to first see this is it's because he's leaving. Now, how many of you have ever left for a trip and put someone in charge of your house? Anybody? Like, I, I'm leaving, uh, but I'm putting you in charge. And what is it that you want them to do? You know, just while I'm away, you know, go nuts. Uh, have a good time. <laughs> Eat all my food. Call your friends for a party. Is that what you guys say? No. You, you want them to do what? The same thing that you would do if you were still there. I'm going away, but I'm entrusting it all to you. That's the message of John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus is leaving, and it is in this place that he is now just fighting for his disciples to see the world the way he sees the world. To pray to the Father the way he would pray. The things that he would ask for. Um, the context here shows us that Jesus is going away. Alright, the, the second major argument I want you to see from this text. is Not just from the context of Jesus leaving. But the idea of connectedness. That through these three chapters, Jesus is going to repeatedly tell his disciples, Hey, we're together on this. Alright? You and I, we're, we're, we're together. Connectedness meaning that the will of Jesus is now seen in us. All right? The will of Jesus, the purposes of Jesus, are now visible in his disciples. A few verses uh, to follow this. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. Uh, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will what? will do the works that I've been doing. If I got it too small up here on the screen, try to find it in your Bible there. John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. A decade ago, there was a bracelet that came out that said WWJD. What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? Yeah, because that's the message, right? If, if you're with me, if you believe in me, then you're going to do what I would do. You're going to be connected to me. You're going to be carrying on same way as I would have done. Uh, 14, uh, the end of 19, verse 20, he says, Because I live, you also will live. See the connectedness? 
On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I honestly don't know of a clearer way to communicate the connectedness of the disciples with Jesus. I am in you, and you are in me. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit that lives and indwells each of us, right? Folks, I want you to know, if you're a Christian, God lives in you. He lives in you. And the question now is, do you yield to him to do what he would do? Or are you still kind of controlled by the flesh? And that's the entire struggle of the Christian life. It's a sermon for another day. But I want you to just see how there's this connectedness. Verse 23 of chapter 14, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. I'm... That's pretty connected, right? Anybody have uh, your kids come home and move in with them, right? Or uh, roommates in college? L- living with people is pretty connected, let me tell you. Right? You're, you're really, you're, who's, who's doing the dishes? Who's cleaning the XYZ, right? Because you live together. Chapter 15, verse 5, and this is probably the most beautiful illustration of all. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 1515, he says, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father I made known to you. 1520, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they obeyed me, they'll obey you. Are you guys seeing this? There's this connectedness between the followers of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself who is leaving. It's the same idea that if you are leaving your house and you're putting someone else in charge, you want them to carry on just as you would. And usually that's easier to do with family for the most part because they know you better. Oh, yeah, I know she wouldn't want this to be done over here. Or, oh, I know him to make sure we stack the wood over there. Or whatever that might be. Because there's this connectedness. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate. That when it comes time to finish our prayers and say, in Jesus' name, what we mean is we need to pray after his will, after his desires. And we see that happening here because Jesus is convincing his disciples, I'm leaving, I'm putting you in charge. And by the way, (laughs) we're connected on this thing. So the things that I desire, they're going to become the things that you desire. The most beautiful picture of this is the one that Jesus gives us. What's this? This is a vine and branches is what this is. Vine and branches. I remember as I was looking for images of this, um, I, I was shocked because generally when I read John chapter 15, and if you're there, hopefully you have a heading in your Bible that says the vine and the branches. Uh, it's, it's this idea that you remain in him and uh, to bear fruit. But I, know, I don't think of the fruit. I usually just think of the branches and the vine. I think of like a tree, right? You got the trunk and then you got the branches that come out from the trunk. But I never really thought about the fruit until I started looking at these pictures. Can, can anyone get by the fruit? I mean, it's just right there in front of you. And it's the obvious result of the branch doing what? Staying connected to the vine. Did Jesus do a lot of good when he was on earth? Did he have a pretty significant ministry? Yeah. Did he reveal the Father through his words and through his actions? Yes. How about us? How do we do with that? You want to know the secret? You want to know the trick? It's staying connected to the vine. You're a branch. You're not the root. None of us here are the stem, right? None of us here plugged into the earth. We're not the one drawing the power and the source of strength. You know what we are? We're the branch 
that's connected to the source. Jesus is the source. He's given you the Holy Spirit to live and indwell you, to empower you. But we're just branches. If we stay connected, do you know what you'll do? You will bear much fruit. He wants you to see the connectedness between them. So, uh, number one, Jesus is leaving, right? That's the context. Number two, there's this connectedness. Jesus says that my will, Jesus' will, is now going to be accomplished through his disciples. And the last is this. Just the conclusion is that all of this results to the Father's glory. There are um, just a handful of passages that speak about his name, and I'd like to point them out to you. Uh, John 14, verse 13. John 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, or I will, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Why? So that the Father would be glorified in the Son. You can't miss the so that. You can't miss the reason why. It's easier for us in our selfishness to think that if I just go ask God, if I just ask him for this one thing, because this is what I want, even if it's a good thing, even if it's for healing, even if it's for strength, you and I don't fully know what would glorify God the most. We need to have a, a much longer discussion than I have time for this morning to talk about why, the, the, why evil still exists in our world, right? Well, why does pain still exist in our world? Well, the short answer is this, because God will use it for his glory. And you don't know how that works, and I don't know how that works, but I know that God will use suffering in this life for his glory. So that if my prayers don't get answered, just like Jesus in Gethsemane, do you remember? Drops like blood dripping from his uh, sweat coming from him saying, take this cup from me. Yet not my will be done, but yours. Because glorifying the Father matters more than anything, church. That, that's, what, that's what we long for is the glory of God. So, 14 verse 13, uh, and I will do whatever you ask, what's the phrase? In my name. That's what we say at the end of our prayers, but you can't miss the reason why. So that the Father may be glorified. That's why he will do what you ask for in his name. John chapter 15, uh, 7 and 8, something very similar. If you remain in me, so pay attention to the conditional statement there. How's it begin? If, right? Everybody's Bible have an if. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. See the connectedness? Everybody see that? Connectedness? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? And if you don't study this properly, God will look like a Santa Claus. He'll look like a genie. Ask whatever you wish. Come on down, right? It's, a, it's this idea that we get whatever we want, but you're not looking at the text. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Why? Verse 8, what's it say? This is to my Father's glory. Can't miss this, folks. When we end our prayers within Jesus' name, the perspective that we carry for everything that we prayed for is so that God will be what? Say glorified. Glorified. So that God will be glorified. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Last one, John 15, 16. He says, you do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. That's what brings God glory, church. The, the fruit of righteousness, the, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of the gospel spreading, 
the fruit of a disciple who can stand under persecution and say, I still carry the name of Jesus Christ. You take my life, it doesn't matter because I serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm bringing glory to him because I'm bearing fruit with my life. Fruit that will last. And so, and here it is, ask whatever, uh, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is what it means to ask, ask in Jesus' name. Jesus is leaving. He's telling his disciples, I'm going away. I'm putting you guys in charge. I'm showing you that we're connected. And by the way, it ain't going to work unless we're connected. I am the vine. You all the branches. So you got to stay plugged into the source of strength. And if you do, guess what? You will bear fruit and that will bring glory to God. So you can ask. Check it out. Ready? You can ask for anything in the name of Jesus according to his will. You can and he will do it for you. Do you know how awesome that is? The privilege that that is? But that's what it means. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Who knows what these are? They're going to need these for this spaghetti dinner today. So i got to make sure I get them back. But I want to end this, this message this morning by talking about three filters. These, these strainers are like filters, right? You use them to, to filter out the, the water and keep the noodles or the rotoni or whatever you got cooking, right? So that the, the unwantedness, uh, you don't keep, right? You get rid of it. Well, th- this is how we have to learn to pray. pray. I want to offer you three filters to filter your prayers through. The first is this, the glory of God. A- am I praying something right now that's for my good? Or for God's glory? Am I asking God for something that is going to bring attention and uh, fame and esteem to my name? Or am I asking Him for something that will bring Him glory? And the result of this is, is fruit bearing. I put a quote on here. It says, in prayer we call on Him to work out His purpose, not simply gratify our whims. Uh, that's the first filter. Filter your request through that. And you know what? We might lose a little bit of the things we thought we were praying for. Because now we understand that I need to pray according to God's glory. Not my good, but His. Number two is this. The the second filter is uh, the will and the purposes of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Well, are you remaining in Him? Are the, are the things that you would pray for, the things that Jesus would pray for? Are the things that you're asking God for in prayer when you say, in Jesus' name, are they really in His name? Or are you ordering that deluxe cheeseburger? That, that's really something that, that you want instead. This isn't really what God has in mind. That's the second filter. Ask yourself the question, am I praying according to Jesus' will and Jesus' purposes? And the third filter is this. We need to pray according to the Spirit. Now, one of the primary messages through John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is this idea that Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit. And what we need to do is get a better job of learning how to pray according to the Spirit's power and not in our own strength. It's a difficult thing to do and sometimes we don't even know how to pray and that's okay because the Spirit intercedes in our behalf. He will move you. He knows in your hearts and God knows what you say even before you speak a word. 
But you're only doing it properly when you're praying according to the Spirit. Three filters I want to give you so that what comes out the other end is genuine requests that are in Jesus' name. Do you guys get it? Two points of application. Number one, carry the perspective of Jesus in prayer. Carry the perspective of Jesus in prayer. What would Jesus want, right? Just like the bracelet said. When the text says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Am I asking for the things that Jesus wants? Am I carrying his perspective or mine? Am I asking for the glory of God or for mine? And am I praying according to the power of the Spirit or according to my own? And then lastly, the root of our requests must be love. The other major theme that you see through John chapter 14, 15, and 16 is the idea that we must love one another. Jesus says this, my command to you is this, love one another. And I promise you, church, as you are following those patterns, as we conclude this whole series of studying prayer, Let us make it our goal so that by the time we end our prayer, we can say with confidence, we've asked this in Jesus' name because we've asked it according to the glory of God, according to the will and the purposes of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen.